Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna do Lee on the Professional in the Fifth Element, but then I was like, well, Char's out of town, and those are actually kind of fun. <laughs> At least Fifth Element's fun, I guess. <laughs> Lee on the Professional's not. Nah, it's still fun. Yeah, it's 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 genre fun though. It's not like a normie watches it and goes, "Ha ha ha, this is great." <laughs> Tell me, other normie people don't enjoy Gary Oldman's performance in that movie? You fucking Gary Oldman fucking blows the roof off that motherfucker. <laughs> I suppose Gary Oldman kind of blows the roof off of everything he's in. It's kind of his deal. Well, that's not true, though, because a lot of times his performances are more subdued when he wants them to be. I did see, I suppose, but even even whenever he's doing uh, a more subtle performance, I don't know. He just he's so committed that it still makes it look like he's acting circles around people whenever he's not doing anything. Oh yeah. He's really good when he's being subtle. I mean, look at, look at his, look at his version of commissioner Gordon. 90% of what he does in that role is standing still with a mustache. Yeah. But he does it better than anyone else. So. Right. So I'm 90 I'm 90% sure that the mustache that he uses as Commissioner Gordon is actually uh god damn it my, my brain just did the thing it does I, it just erased the name I was getting ready to say All right what the fuck actor tons of movies we always joke about his mustache he was in the fog without the mustache Seriously what the fuck did my brain just do I don't know Brian, actor, actor, the fog, normal mustache, but no mustache. Tom Atkins. Thank you. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Why did you help me, Brian? I was having so much fun listening to him squirm. I, I swear, I swear to God, guys, I think I'm having tiny seizures whenever I'm trying to say somebody's name. Your brain's it is ha- like, he's trying to remember again. Stop him. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. It's happening more and more frequently. Like the name is there. And then whenever I go to say it, it just vanishes. And then I can't pull it up. I don't know. Early, early onset Alzheimer's or something. Something's not right. Yeah, I think I got that going on, too. And it seems to be specifically that it's specifically people's names. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it happened to me the other day whenever I was talking to somebody that I know, and it was their name. I went to say their name, and my brain went, nope. <laughs> you were talking to them? Yes, I was talking to them. You still couldn't remember and, the and, name? And, and had been using their name up till that point. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying this is, like, abnormal. This isn't, like, the normal ha-ha-ha, no, I can't remember actors' names. It's people whose names I know. All of a sudden, whenever I go to say it, I can't say it. Strange. Yeah, it's very concerning. I might have a tumor. <laughs> Let's hope not. Were you uh, in too many gang fights in high school? Possibly. That's probably it. Yeah. This is mm. delayed symptoms from concussions. 
sustained in many of your brawls. <laughs> I also may or may not have been punched by a Belushi in the 80s. <laughs> There's no way to tell, really. It's just it's just an either or. You can't tell. I can't guarantee which Belushi it was. Why would well, one uh, need to be that specific? One one would have been far more impressive than the other. <laughs> in order to jog your memory, Noah, why don't you tell us about the movie The Principal? Yeah. Uh, so we've got a, a shitty teacher who's going through a divorce. Um, and he decides to attack his wife's new boyfriend, uh, who is also his divorce attorney, with a baseball bat in a justified but probably excessive manner. <laughs> not convinced it was justified but we'll discuss right uh, and as punishment instead of being fired they promote him to principal and send him to the worst inner city school uh, which is overrun with drugs and gang violence and it's basically all of the kids who have been thrown out of every other school were filtered into that school uh, yeah, and he goes in and kind of all of a sudden decides that this is all bullshit and that he's going to clean up the town a la uh, sheriff in a western. And really, that's that's what this movie is. I mean, that's the story. It's the new the guy gets promoted to sheriff in the small town and has to run out all of the hooligans. Yeah, you're not far off. Yeah, yeah complete with the like winning over of the local business people who are that that would be the students that he teaches how to read or the equivalent to like the saloon owners who are first like you can't come in here and mess with the way things are done but eventually they realize his way is the better way right and then this did was this one of the ones so there were like four or five movies that all came out right around the time that dangerous minds came out was this one of those movies uh, this came out in 87 yeah it's a bit yeah. earlier no, I don't, I, I don't know because this one's this one's interesting in the fact that these, uh, you know, in, in the subgenre of high schools overrun with crime, uh, these movies tend to take one side or the other. It's either they're 100 percent in favor of the institution who, who's fighting against these unruly little shits. Or it's in favor of the teenagers who are rebelling against the corrupt institution. Mm -hmm. And this one's interesting in the fact that, yeah, it's kind of on Belushi's side for no fucking apparent reason. But besides that, it really doesn't do that. It's like, yeah, the, the school's overrun with bad kids, but that's not all the kids. The kids who are there that aren't that are also victims. And the institution does suck and the teachers do suck and they're not doing their fucking jobs. And it's kind of, I don't know. I, I think it, ta it takes the stance of everything's fucked. And that gives the excuse for Jim Belushi to basically do a board wipe. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because it, it definitely takes the approach of everything is fucked, but it, the core message of the movie is if people would just start caring, they could unfuck things, right? Like as soon as he yeah. starts, as soon as he decides to draw the line in the sand and say, we're going to clean this place up as more and more people get on board, they do clean the place up and everything does get better. And I believe, 
I believe he literally says no more, Doug. Yes, he says it a hundred times, so you're probably correct. Yeah, that that writing is uh, not good. <laughs> well, the, the worst no thing more, the, no more of that writing is what I say. The worst thing about the no more mantra is that he says it a whole bunch of times for a while, then it goes away. Then at the end of the movie, they bring it back, and you're like, "Well, wait a minute, you forgot to say it in the middle part of the movie." <laughs> so you kind of like screwed it up. Well, it's also it's also the ramp up to it is, I think, the most problematic thing of this film. So that storytelling's not very good. They don't really give him a lot of ammunition before he makes the no more speech, and then things do severely escalate after that point. And you're like, well, no, they should have escalated before the speech, right? And this is the this is the movement into the this second act, right? Yeah. So the the core idea of he, you know, is his life's going shitty and he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. And then as a result of him not giving a fuck, they put him in the job where nobody has ever given a fuck. And eventually he learns his lesson and decides to start giving a fuck. That that core idea is decent, but it's not very well executed because it does seem like he is a guy who like two days ago was drunk beating up a car with a baseball bat. And all of a sudden, because he saw a couple of down on their luck people, he's just like, oh, well, in that case, I'm going to dedicate my life to cleaning this school up, you know, and it's he, very, he literally shows up on the first day ready to to change things. Yeah, it seems well, well, yeah, bad. before the first day of school, he has the interaction with the two gang members that are trying to fucking kill each other. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah and like, the, this movie has a pacing problem to it. Like, yeah, there should have been like a slow burn fun. where because that, that whole thing of him, like that first fight that he sees where he's like, that should have been more of a shock moment where it's like, holy shit, things really are this bad. That should have been the idea. Instead, it seems like that's almost the inciting incident to get him started on moving forward with his with his plan to clean things up you know like it should there should have been more of a gradual build to that but they should have made that gradual build happen without the movie getting longer so i'm not exactly sure how you do that but yeah they could have they could well, have I think, I compressed just, things a little bit because this movie just, is almost two hours long it does yeah. not need to be yeah, I think you just, I mean, really, if you just cut it and you change the order of events, everything makes, I don't know, I, I, maybe maybe that's the problem with the movie. Maybe this is an editing room floor type situation, but it seems like if he had come to school, you know, seen the the issues, met the good kid, you know, the, what's his face, the Hispanic kid that he likes. Arturo. Arturo. And all of that. And then we have the scene of them driving through the fence trying to kill that guy. And then he makes the no more speech. It makes more sense. Does that make does that make sense to you guys? It's like it's all jumbled. It's like the uh, there's no rhyme or reason to the events that occur up to a certain point. Yeah, because it, it feels like the, the no more speech, the big moment of like, I'm putting my foot down and I'm going to take this over should be the culmination of a series of events. And instead it happens and then things start happening afterwards that are like giving him the motivation. But he already he already made the stand. He needed that motivation before he made the stand, you know. Yeah. So I see what you're saying is like, yeah, change the sequence of events around and make it different and it might work. Uh, yeah, first it, time. Go ahead, Noah. 
Oh, yeah, I was going to say, and it also robs it robs the scene of uh, the teacher getting attacked. Of some of its end, like because that the the scene itself is like a pretty powerful, awful scene, right? Like it's 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 terrible. I mean, made slightly ridiculous because they had him fucking ride a motorcycle up the staircase. It's like that you can't you can't take a serious thing like this and then fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger Cobra it all of a sudden. It's fucking <laughs> wrong movie. He's not allowed to be badass because that was pretty badass. No, I, I badass is one thing. I, well, and I don't even think I think you can do that in this movie. I think doing it just particularly in a scene that that's having that kind of impact on the audience. I, I don't know. I like maybe uh, they chickened out and they were like, Oh no, it needs to be more lighthearted. And it's like, well, it's a student trying to fucking rape a teacher. So maybe it doesn't need to be lighthearted. Yeah. And it's, I think, yeah, I also, it's a student who's been like sent to rape this teacher as like a message to the principal for having the nerve to try to stop the drug dealers. Like it's supposed to be this horrific moment and it's, there's a whole tonal issue with this film of like, they want to go dark in some moments and then in other moments they don't. And it's like, sometimes it's an eighties action movie, but sometimes it's more like grim dark than that. And they're not sure what they're doing. And that the scene is the, the best example of them not really being sure what to do. Cause no, you can't have him riding his motorcycle through the halls of a school and have like, her pinned on the desk with that guy on top of her in like cutting back and forth between the two is not acceptable. It's right. It's a mistake in the film. And I think it's just, I don't know. There shouldn't have been rape scenes in eighties movies. I mean, they just, just, the whole tone of the eighties did not suit that type of scene because it, it feels, feels disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, in everything, the, the way a story builds, it's out of order so that the no more speech happens way too early in the film. And then that scene of that teacher getting attacked also happens way too early in the film. Like yeah. that, that scene sets up the the violent showdown at the end of the movie, like because it's that moment where it's like, OK, these are not troubled kids anymore. These are dangerous people who are. like. Yeah bringing death and destruction to the world around them. But instead it it happens too early. The group of people involved from, yeah. Right. And then we have all those weird scenes of him trying to reach the fucking bad kids still. And it's like, yeah, but that teacher got fucking attacked, dude. Yeah. Well, and the weird thing where they almost set up a romance between the two after her, like, violent assault. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's 80s. They just don't understand. Yeah, yeah, it is 80s. That's what I'm saying. They don't don't use rape as a plot point in your 80s movie because you don't know how to do it during that era. Yeah, it's well, it's they should have swapped it because it seems like the um, teacher assault is what should set everything off. But then, like Noah said, she leaves for obvious reasons. But then he bonds with that other kid and the kid gets thrown through the window. And that's what seems like that is what sets everything off. Yeah. I feel like it should be the other way around. Yeah, I'm not sure because it's there's definitely a pacing issue that we we're all seeing, and we all have our different ideas of exactly where it pops up and what's going wrong with it. But there, there's an issue in the film of just the storytelling isn't quite there. Yeah, and I, and I think it's because they're 
the studio probably is. I'm assuming that this was written as a darker, more serious film, and the studio came in and went, no, 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 it's like 1987. You can't do that. He's got to ride his motorcycle through the halls of the school and get into a couple of fist fights. And Louis Goss Jr. has got to be there. Like just all those like typical 80s things that have to be happening. <laughs> Louis Gossett Jr. has got to be there. That's the typical 80s thing. You're telling me it's not? <laughs> nope. I'm just reiterating the point that you made that is 100% true. It's, yeah. Like it, it really feels like a lot of that stuff is just kind of inserted in. Right. Um, this period was weird too because Jim Jim Belushi was trying to pretend like he was a fucking action star. I I don't <laughs> understand why. Like, it took years and years and years, and then finally they're just like, we should just give him. He should just be on like sitcom where the character has the name Jim already. And you're like, yeah, obviously that's what he should have been doing. Why did they ever let him be in movies and stuff before that? He should have just been in a damn sitcom with Jim in the title of it from day one. They could have run for like 29 years and nobody ever would have really watched it, but nobody would have ever hated it. And it would have been fine. That's why they ever tried to do anything else with his career. I, I think the problem is they were like, okay, so we've got Jim Belushi. Who's he's pretty funny. He's got good comedic timing, right? I think we can all admit that. And he can he can act. I mean, I'm not going to say he's like a shit actor or anything like that. Oh, he's. But, he's but okay. I think the problem is, is they're like, he could be the next Tom Hanks. And it's like, whoa, you guys need to slow the fuck down. That's yeah. not that's not what's going on. Here. <laughs> no, like, just just put him on TV where he belongs, man. The guy's like, he's fine. There's like, I you can't hate Jim Belushi. You just can't. But it's, is he good at anything? No, not really. Like, it's just, can, it's just uh, fine. can I give you two alternate castings that almost happened? Yes. Uh, apparently, Michael Keaton was considered for that role. I mean, obviously. Mm. Do we think better or worse? In what year was I mean, this? 87? Post 87? Batman? Pre Batman. It's two Batman. years pre Batman. Right? Yeah. I don't but know. See, I, I don't know if it works pre Batman. I think it works pre Batman because I think what Batman taught us is that Keaton has that performance in him and that just nobody had given him an opportunity yet. This would have just been them giving him that opportunity to do a more serious role two years earlier. Okay. Second option, Gary Busey. Oh, fuck I mean, me. This movie would have been great if it was fucking Gary Busey. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, God damn. It's not this movie if it's Gary Busey. We all know that, right? <laughs> it's a totally different movie if it's Gary Busey. I'm here for it. I'd watch that remake, but uh, uh, he apparently was offered the part. He had to turn it down because he was shooting Lethal Weapon. Probably think, a better decision on his part. I, I think the trick is that this this movie was not self aware enough to think of the fact that it was basically an exploitation movie. But I think if you put Gary Busey in that lead role, they're like, Oh, okay. I see what movie we're making. now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it changes the discussion altogether. I think everything is just ramped up. Damn it. Damn it. Now I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of sad that this wasn't fucking Busey. That would be fucking great. Busey just chasing students down the hall with a baseball bat, <laughs> driving a motorcycle <laughs> through the halls. The, the director comes in and tells him he has to stop and we have to make a movie. That's <laughs> the next step. Same era. It's a, it's it's a random thought because it's another you know comedian turned actor kind of situation. But you know who else would have been fucking great? 
Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary would have been a great smarmy asshole principal beating the shit out of people. Yeah, I could actually see that. Yeah. 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 Where Dennis Leary was at in 1987. That was commercials. Yeah, I was getting ready to say that's pre the shift. That's still stand up comedian Leary, I think. Yeah, like I think it's pretty even me knowing who he was as stand up comedian. It was until the nineties where I actually like No Cure for Cancer came out. People actually heard heard of him. So this is the first time watched for you guys? Uh I think I saw this movie like when it came out. Yeah. That's the first time for me for sure. I sure didn't remember very much of it other than Gary Busey or Gary Busey. Now, 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 now it's permanently rewritten uh, other than Jim, Jim Belushi principal gangs. Like that's pretty much no other detail was still in my brain. Oh. I remember seeing it on cable when I was younger and then I just remember there was a gang activity and then the, the part of the final fight where he's Jim Belushi's getting beat up and then he catches the dude's fist and he's like, my turn. For some reason, I got stuck in my head. It's actually like reasonable for that to be stuck in your head. <laughs> that, fucking, that it's that moment. So unjustified. No, it's not at all. Like they're not even trying no. to justify. Well, I th- okay. I think that moment gets to, the biggest problem with not just this film, but this subgenre of films that exists, which is that like they go in and they portray these gangs as like just these, the most horrible decrepit thing in our society and look at what they're doing to this whole neighborhood and everything. But then when it's convenient, they're like, Oh yeah, but by the way, they're just kids. Like, so you get these scenes of these like gangbangers that are like murdering people and dealing drugs in the school bathroom and all this. And then they're in class and they get into an argument and they're like, that's it. Go to the principal. And they're like, oh, man, I don't want to go to the principal's office. And they like <laughs> stomp their feet and storm up. And that, I mean, that's the same thing with this whole thing, because you get this moment of like this kid is like beating the shit out of his principal. And you're like, yeah, because he's a fucking badass gangbanger. And then all of a sudden, James Belushi's, oh, no, by the way, you're a 15-year-old, so I can probably just smack you around whenever I want. <laughs> catches his fist and just beats the shit out of him. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, so that, that's, I actually think that that's a real thing, though. I don't know. It's hard to avoid that messaging of these monsters that are in those schools are just kids. There are kids I, that are also monsters, but... I have trouble yeah. believing that the kid who carries a gun to school and is willing to shoot his own gang member for refusing to put up enough of a fight against the principal is going to go to the principal's office one set. I just, I can't see the connection there. I don't think he ever went to the principal's office. Did Maybe he? he's, I mean, enough of them did. Yeah. Well, no, see, see, but I think you're wrong. Cause I think the same, the same kid who just, there's there's a whole subtext to it of that lead gang member, like kind of wanting everyone in that school to like recognize him as an authority, if that makes sense. Like, it, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I am the law kind of judge. Yeah. Flat out says, this, yeah. is, this is my school, not your school. You're not going to take it away from me kind of attitude. Yeah. Tells Jim Belushi he's expelled. Right. That kind of stuff. He's he's the kind of piss baby little bitch who does shoot one of his friends whenever they don't fucking do what he wants him to do. You guys hear me? 
I have no idea what's going on right now. My screen weird. just went black. Oh, weird. Those computers trying to kill itself, apparently. Well, yeah. well, <laughs> okay. Wait. So it's, it's Skype. Skype just went completely black. Oh, strange. It still works. Okay. Well, it's still working. So we'll just, we'll just keep rolling for now. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I guess ultimately, how did we feel about Jim Belushi in this movie? I know we've kind of commented these maybe not cast very well, but for some reason he was trying to do this. Yeah, I'm an action star. I'm going to star with Schwarzenegger and Red Heat the following year. Yeah. Well, you guys know, you guys know I like garbage movies. And, but this one, I would say this isn't a garbage movie. It's like, it's, it's all right. Like it's not, it's not a great movie it's got story problems it's not paced right that kind of stuff but yeah. i don't know it's perfectly fine i mean if you if you've got a spare saturday afternoon and you're like i want to watch a movie about <laughs> gangs in high school there are better ones but this one you wouldn't probably walk away being pissed off that you watched it i feel like this is the perfect movie to catch in like the early 90s on the weekend movie from your local TV station. Because that's probably how I ended up seeing it. Right. Yeah. Or like a USA up all night movie where you've got Gilbert Godfrey talking to you about the making of the movie while you're watching the movie. This, this definitely feels like a TBS movie to me. This is definitely TBS on a Saturday afternoon. Um, and it's you know what? It's like on, I watched it's on right after those what, movies. What the fuck? What the fuck was that terrible Hulk Hogan show? Uh, that was on oh. TNT right after wrestling thunder, thunder and paradise, thunder and paradise. Yeah, it would be, it'd be wrestling thunder and paradise. And then this movie, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not crazy. Um, and it's, yeah, like it, it, the movie almost feels like it's like a made for TV movie script. And then they just like up the language when they found that they were going to get a proper release. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. It, By the way, TNT, TBS, whatever, still has those problems because they started showing The Accountant, the Ben Affleck movie, all the time on that channel okay. for some reason. And people who would attend AEW shows would have signs that would say, stay tuned for The Accountant following <laughs> AEW Dynamite. <laughs> it's phenomenal. <laughs> Um, I don't know. So we we positive on this movie. I had a great time rewatching it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I think I'm erring on the side of like it's all right. You know, it's not it's not bad. It's not great, but it's it was a good movie. I'm like, like I don't have a lot negative to say about it. But when you're like, are we positive on this? I'm like, well, positive is a real strong word. Uh, like, what's, <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. I, I there is this whole era of like middle of the ground movies of like yeah you can you can absolutely just have it on in the background and kind of watch it and it's fine i don't like i'll i'll never be like sitting at home and go you know what i should watch the principal but if i still had cable and i was flipping through the channels and it was on and i had 10 minutes to kill i might watch 10 minutes of it it's it's acted mostly well like jim belushi is for for everything i've said about him he's not i, I have nothing negative again to say about him he's fine 
and everybody in the movie is fine. And there's like a bunch of the supporting ca- characters are these like younger actors who were working at the time and who you recognize. And you're like, yeah, they've, you know, they've done better in other movies, but they're good enough for this. And I'm like, that one's from summer school and that one's from bad boys. Like, I'm, you know, picking them out as I'm watching the movie. Like I just recognize all these people. I, I think I figured out why the, my turn line is so fucking terrible. Um, I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but did you do you guys realize it's almost identical to the scene in fucking Nightbreed with the fat dude with the snakes in his stomach where he goes, my turn. <laughs> <laughs> and the snakes come out of his stomach while he's fighting that guy. I'm, I mean, I'm it's literally the exact same delivery. Potential. Yeah. So Nightbreed was what, two years after this? That makes sense. Makes complete sense. Sure, why not? What if Nightbreed the book was out before this, and then they stole it from the book and put it in this movie, and then Nightbreed just (laughs) redid it from the book? So these guys were ripping off Clive Barker way before. They just didn't know anybody was going to make it into a movie. That's my assumption. It's it's just so randomly weird how that clicked in my head, and I was like, oh yeah, because he even does like the bulgy eye thing. How about wait till later? Eyes get all big. My turn. I would wait till later in the show where I was already going to reference Nightbreed in relation to another movie I watched. So. <laughs> <laughs> Creating those through lines. Uh, all right, Doug, do you want to tell us about 315, the moment of truth? Um, yes. It's, I'm not, not going to lie. Like, we missed a week, and so it's been a week since I watched this. And details are going to be sparse because... I wouldn't use the word interesting to describe this movie. Um, it was, uh, let's see. So there's like a gang, but they're getting a little too violent. So one of the kind of lead members is like, I don't want to be in a gang anymore. So he walks away cut to a year later and, uh, they're all at high school together. And so the one guy, the, the one gang leader gets like busted for drugs and he, for some reason, believes that his former gang member ratted him out. So they keep saying they're going to go after him. And eventually they're like, that's it. At 3.15. It's happening. And they have a big violent confrontation. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's, I mean, plot wise, there's a bunch of, there's every typical side plot. There's also like the guy has a girlfriend and she's mad at him for getting dragged back into the gang violence, even though it's not his fault. He, as he's, he's being dragged in against his will and there's the the uh authority figures that want this guy to turn on his former gang and he's like i don't want to be involved leave me alone i don't i don't want to i don't want to be on either side of this fight all that stuff is happening exactly how you predict to happen odo, odo from deep space nine is the principal who's just kind of a dick <laughs> <laughs> It's another one where there's like just enough people in it where you're like, I know some of these people. I know the guy that plays like the cop that keeps coming to the school, but I don't know his name or what else he's been in. But I know. Isn't he isn't he uh, uh, Ted's dad or Bill's dad? Holy shit, he is. (laughs) That's nailed it. (laughs) That's funny. I don't know this movie. I don't there's there's a bunch of things. So first off, let me say that I like this movie before I start saying all these weird things that I'm about to say about it. But do you guys feel like the people who made it just had no fucking idea what was going on in the world around them completely? Because 
Because some of the gangsters look like 1950s greasers. Mm-hmm. That was going to be and what then, I was going to bring up. And then some of them look like, like I don't know, out, rejects from the fucking Warriors or something. They're like that 1970s grimy New York gangster looking thing. But I, I, like none of it matches up. Do you know what when they, there's that moment where he walks through the hallway and or not the hallway, but like the outside courtyard and there's all the different gangs and like the uh, the Adam Baldwin character is just like walking by them all and um, kind of like saying hello to all of them. And they're all kind of cool with him because he's not in the gangs anymore, but he's still a tough guy. And it reminded me of like late 90s WWF because there's like the black faction and then there's like the Spanish faction and then there's like the biker gang. And I'm like, where's the Heart Foundation going to show up? That's what I don't forget the Tams. Don't forget the Tams. Yeah, like it was. It was weird, like how like and then it didn't like all that racial stuff is like right there on the surface and then it didn't play in at all. It's they're just like. It's almost like it was like a reshoot. We forgot to put the racism in the movie. We'll put it back in just to see if we can get the actors back together for one more day. Well, well, and also in the fact that we were talking about the weirdness of kind of the the last movie following the stereotypical sheriff comes to town Western storyline. This movie shares just a disturbing amount of through lines with three o'clock high. Which is such a yeah. different fucking yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, that's the, probably intentional. I found out about this movie from another podcast I listened to. And he said it was like a mixture of like Class of 1984 and 3 O'Clock High. Which is why I was like, ooh, I need to see that movie. Well, the the Class of 1984 references are like, it's it's in there. Like, you can clearly tell that that's what they're doing. And there's actually an alternate cut of it called Class of 89, which is obviously intentional. Um, they're, they're playing off the success of that film. There, there was also, yeah, this goes back to the, uh, the, the previous days before I joined the show, where you guys like to find those weird secondary themes. But the end sequence of the two films that we watched both involved those weird cat and mouse scenes in those weird labyrinthian showers <laughs> in, the, in these oh, old yeah. high schools, apparently. Good point. <laughs> Did you notice in this one that they specifically went into the girls' showers? Like, that's that's an interesting choice to just have them run by the door that says girls' showers. And you're like, I don't, it, theoretically, none of these guys should know their way around there. It's smarter to go in the boys' showers. Uh, uh, yeah, these I, are the details I remember. By the way, where I'm like, I can't quite remember the plot, but I remember girls' showers, not boys' showers. That's how my brain works. Uh, I will say, I was actually kind of bored with this movie, which was kind of a disappointment. Um, I, I, I can see that. I feel like it. It's so like safe. Um, whereas at least in the principal, like you know, I feel like. Oh shit! Like this school does look dangerous. Oh, it's grimier. Definitely grimier. Whereas I felt this school was just everybody was cool, and then you had like one gang that was problematic, and everybody was just sort of like, yeah, but they're they're just you know <laughs> they're just kids. I mean, it's even a plot point in the movie that they bring it up that all of the other gangs in this school are just super chill. Like, yeah, 
Yeah. They don't want no part of that shit. It's just those, yeah, that one like, bad gang. All the rest of the gangs, all they do is get together on the weekend and kill each other. They don't They don't deal drugs and stuff in the school. <laughs> they don't want to cause trouble for everyone else who's not in the gang. It's, it's a weird dynamic the way the gangs are portrayed in this movie because it is like some of them seem like what I think a high school gang is for the most part, which is like just a group of guys that hang out together and they probably get into fights and stuff. And maybe they cause some shit, you know, they're shoplifting or stealing booze or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? But they're not, they're not really like it's not like a real street gang full of like violent toughs. It's just kids acting up. And, you know, protecting themselves by staying in a group. And then that one gang feels like what every parent thought high school was like in the 80s, where they're like, oh, my God, every time you leave, somebody's going to stab you and kill you and stuff. And it's so weird. But, but at the same time, the gang that's supposed to be the actual dangerous gang also looks like at any moment they're going to start snapping their fingers and break into like a chorus line. There is a lot of khakis <laughs> being worn. And I'm like, I don't know. If khakis would be your pants of choice for gang warfare, it seems interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I find the whole plot, the whole plot device of this movie is fascinating because it starts with the guy leaving the gang. It's not a guy learns a lesson in, you know, and then has to, you know, goes through his story arc. It's he starts off getting out and going, OK, I just want to be a normal high schooler now. And then pretty much being betrayed by everyone. Like, yeah, you know, his prior friends want to kill him. His the people in charge want to let him die so that they could get the kids that they don't like, which is pretty dark. Yeah. No, no, but like to compare it to like the Westerns, because there is a lot of similarity there. The idea of like the gunfighter who's left that life behind, but he's dragged in the one more fight and he you know, does everything in his power to stay out of it. But you know, nobody wants to, nobody wants to help him. So he has to take on that fight on his own and he ends up winning it. That's kind of a trope of Westerns as well. And that's what's going on here, right? Like he's decided he doesn't want that life anymore. He's on like the basketball team or whatever now. And that's like, that's his new group of friends. Well, I do like, I, I do like his new group of friends who aren't badasses who decide to stay and fight anyway, and it doesn't go well for them. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. So, something about that element of the story, I'm like, see, no, that's great. Cause it's not they just all of a sudden become badasses and they're fighting everyone off. It's like, no, they get the jump on one guy. And, yeah. and they serve their story purpose and then they're immediately horribly injured because they are not equipped to handle this. Yeah, I, I was worried it was going to be the classic like, oh, the good guy jocks take on like the the guys who fight all the time. And it's like, no, your average basketball player against a guy who's murdered before is probably not going to win. Like it's but he plays basketball deck. Yeah, like I get that they're athletic or whatever, but I did like the plot point of the one nerdy guy that he helped out comes in and he he also does the like like saves the day and then takes a bullet for it. And you're like, oh shit, poor guy. <laughs> he just because like your average like AV. I love that conversation they have too, where he's like, you 
where he's like, you probably shouldn't, you probably shouldn't have done that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm figuring that out now. (laughs) (laughs) I've been shot. This sucks. The the violence seems to really escalate quickly in this one too. Like where it becomes people shooting each other very quickly from normal high school stuff, you know, shoving matches and things up to, Oh, the bad guy's back from jail. He's going to shoot everybody now. Yeah. It does seem like, uh, I mean, they're getting super violent at the beginning, but I don't know. By the end, it's like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I got a gun. You're like, what? But we're doing that. Were we? I thought we were using knives and stuff. Yeah. The, um, like I get the idea. The setup at the beginning is that this guy is a lot more violent than everyone else. And that he has done these, terrible things and could do them again and everybody else is more like a normal high school student and not not prepared to deal with that and he's at the end when he comes back with the gun you're like well yeah he's the guy that comes back with the gun because he's the psychopath that we saw being crazy at the beginning of the movie but it just doesn't feel right in the film i'm not sure exactly why because conceptually the, the setup is there like that's the idea is that nobody else can handle him because nobody else is prepared to deal with this level of violence. That's why they need Jane to take care of it. <laughs> I did. I did love the, the disturbingly accurate depiction of the cops in which they do a drug bust. They catch several people with drugs in their possession. And then they come back the next day and half of them are out. And the principal's like, what you caught them with drugs. And they're like, yeah, they've played down to misdemeanors. <laughs> they're like what, and what was the point of this and the cop's like I don't know you're the one that wanted me to come look at their stuff <laughs> it is the cop is like you made me come and do that raid I didn't want to I would have just let the drugs go on in your high school yeah <laughs> yeah there's a and then I don't, I don't know there's there's some moments in this film that should be way more impactful that aren't like whenever he walks out of the building at the end of that fucking principal says oh I'm glad you're the one that made it out like that feels like it should be such a more awful moment in the film. It yeah. should have immediately been followed, not by like some single eighties. Ha ha. I punched the principal, but like him just beating the absolute fuck out of that guy. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody making note of that and like, yeah, out. the cop, the cop arresting him and being like, yeah. you knew, you knew that you were leaving in him in there, you know, you piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a nice turn. Something like that. But it, I don't know. It was two nineteen eighty four for that to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know about this movie. It was just, it was, a, again, not terrible, but just not good. And not, I don't know. It's like a lower budget version of the other movie where you're like, okay, but like TBS wouldn't run this one. So <laughs> why should I have to watch it? <laughs> Yeah, there's there's several other things I don't quite understand. I don't understand the relationship arc between him and the blonde girl. It's a little weird. Again, like, the idea is that she's turning on him like everyone else does because she sees him getting involved in the violence. And even though it's completely out of his control, it's still having this negative impact on his life. But it's just not executed very well. Right. But the whole thing is she... She breaks up with him because she sees it escalating and that she's going to get drug into this thing. And then after that, he tells her, do not come to school. You've been drug into this thing. They are going to assault you. And she goes, why would they do that? That makes no sense. And then she comes to school. She gets assaulted. 
he saves her. And then she's like, oh, I love you again because you saved me. And he, it, yeah, but he saved you from the assault that you broke up with him because you thought might happen to you. It's <laughs> the thing you have to realize, Noah, and this is a, a I guess it's also teenage brain. So she's 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 female, too. Right. You have to factor that in. They're not <laughs> rational thinkers. And it's just. Because the whole thing is like she's ma- keeps getting mad at him. Like the first time he saves her, she gets super mad at him for saving her. And she's like, you beat those guys up. And he's like, because they were attacking you. And like, he's got a point. Like He's like, he's like, if I didn't beat wow. those guys up, they would have beat you up. In that in that particular scenario, I actually understand her objection. And the objection is that he didn't stop. Like there was a point where the fight was over and he kept going. See, I think that's what they were trying to portray. But the problem is when a movie is made in the 80s, like what happened there was not excessive by 80s standards. Yeah, I did like when he had that guy like bent behind that bar. and He's just pulling his head back into the bar, constantly slamming it off. <laughs> I'm on super fun. It does seem like this is like uh, people. I don't know. People from like a super like rich neighborhood. Like, what if there was gangs? And so, like, all the gangs just feel, like, not that big of a threat, really. And so even, like, her being like, oh, I can't believe you used violence against them. And we look at what he did, and we're like, actually, not all that bad. I don't know why she's, like, freaking out. I feel like this movie would have been much better served had it been made in the seventies and it was just grittier and darker. And like when he beats that guy up, there was like blood flying everywhere and shit. You know what I mean? Like, I think that would have made this movie better because then you would have understood her reaction more. Yeah. (laughs) If it was more like class of 1984. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. This is definitely a, uh, some rich executive thought they knew about how to make a gang movie. And this is the result. Yeah. Yeah. This is like I say that, that scene where he walked by all the gangs and the nation of domination is there and stuff. And you're just like, I don't, I can't just let that go. You can't have that in your movie and then expect me to take it seriously later on. Yeah. And that like those weird moments where he goes to all these other gangs and he's like, look, we're cool. Right. Yeah. And those guys want to kill me, even though I didn't actually do anything wrong. Yeah, we all agree on all those points. Okay, so will any of you help me in the slightest possible way? No. We just we will not at all. <laughs> I mean, but aren't you guys like big tough gangs? And aren't you friendly with this guy? And isn't he about to be murdered for doing nothing? And none of you want to stand up at all? All right. Yeah, movie could have been a lot better. Kind of bummed. Yeah, just... There's a, there's a lot of potential there. There's also like some of the acting is really bad, which really hurts the film. Like not like the lead is okay. And a lot of stuff's like fine, but then there's a couple of like really standout bad performances. The second, I think it's the second in command of the, like the bad guy gang is just like annoying every time it's on screen. And you're like, ah, at least he'll get punched later out. Thanks for calling the midnight drive in. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. 
If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What did everybody watch this last week? Uh, I watched a couple thingies. Uh, I went and saw Barbie. As did I. It was all right. It was funny. I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like it's like earth shatteringly good of a movie. But the bits were funny. There were lots of really odd pop culture references that I'm not quite. I don't know. There's there was a there was some kind of a message there that I wasn't quite understanding. Did you did you notice that, Brian, that they kept making references to like DC and Marvel? And I don't know. There was just there was was just a lot of it. I think they were pointing out that uh, the fucking Kens had turned into a bunch of Snyder bros, which are the worst kind of people. That's true. They were basically Snyder bros. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was it was interesting. And then it had like that good messaging. And then the messaging kind of got lost at the end of the movie a little bit, I feel like. And it's like, yeah, but wait, what? Because the messaging through the whole movie was kind of about self-determination and the fact that, you know, you can't take away other people's agency. Like you have to, you know, let them be a person. And that's being represented in two directions, both through the, the issues with women's rights that they're kind of pointing out throughout the movie and then mirroring with the kins and Barbie world and the fact that the, the kins aren't allowed to just have a life. Yeah. I think it's, it's supposed to be that, uh, you're supposed to, the women, right. Women's rights thing shows up. And then the messaging at the end is that the only reason the kins are as messed up as they are is because Barbie was doing the exact same thing. Right. So, so that, like everybody makes mistakes and there's always time to correct them. Right. But you would have thought that the, then therefore the end of the movie would have been, Oh, I, I see what it is. Like we things shouldn't be the way that the Kins want them to be, but things also should not go back to the way that they were. Cause that was also clearly not fair. And instead it was, things are going back to the way they used to be. <laughs> and also, uh, Kins, go fucking deal with your shit on your own. Which is like, yeah, it's a real fucking weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't that know. Point. That's a, yeah, that's a weird. I, I yeah, weird tonal shift at the end of the movie where you're like, uh, wait, wasn't the whole wasn't the whole point that like maybe like everyone should not treat a different group as like garbage? Wasn't that no. the whole thing? No. Uh, did you see this, Doug? You gonna go see it? No, I. The only real question I have about this movie is why are adult men interested in Barbie all of a sudden? I don't understand the appeal of it at all. It's fine that you guys want to see it, and I hope you enjoyed it, but I just don't understand why anyone gives a shit about a Barbie movie. I I wanted to see it because Ryan Gosling's funny when he wants to be funny, and so is uh, what's what's his face? Uh, Oh, the other Ken. (laughs) You're going to have to be way more specific. Yeah, Kim... Kim Soong, whatever uh, the Korean guy, you know what I'm talking about. The guy from Sh- Kim's Convenience, Shang Chi. Yeah, Shang Chi. 
Is it Simu Liu or something like that? Yes, yeah, yeah, Simu Liu. Thank you. But he was uh, funny. I don't know. I thought it just it looked funny. It's got Will Ferrell in it. Will Ferrell's pretty fucking funny in it. Um, oh, did I know he was in it. I like Greta Gerwig. I think she's a good director. And from the trailers, I tell I can tell she was making something a little weird and subversive, which I was really interested in. And then um, the idea of a Mattel letting somebody take their biggest property ever and just turn it on its head and do something weird with it rather than the sort of the typical Barbie movie that I think everybody expected had me very curious and uh, I, don't know. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, well, yeah, it was it, it's interesting that it's a movie that it's not a movie about Barbie, the toy. It's a movie about, like the create kind of like the reason why they created Barbie in the first place and whether or not that their intention actually resulted in what they intended. Yeah, sort of the things they've set up with Barbie sometimes cause more problems than they had intended to and how to fix that moving forward. And I feel like they addressed all that in a way that made sense and was organic with the movie and actually had some substance to it. Because they completely point out all the problems with the idealized version of Barbie um, throughout the film. Like, all the problems that it's caused for women and their self-image and their self-esteem and, like, all that stuff. Like, it's all pointed out in the movie. Which, again, is one of the things where I'm just like, wow, Mattel was okay with saying that they're bullshit? Apparently they were. Well, I but mean, is that, it, it, is that like a hot be, take now that like, oh, Barbie is creating like a negative view on for women? No, 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 not not, not, not in the slightest at this point in the game. But it's but it's an interesting thing that a company would do it to their own IP. I mean, it yeah. would be like Mattel yeah. turning around tomorrow and making a G.I. Joe movie that absolutely tears Mattel a new asshole for selling war in military shit to children. That'd be Hasbro, by the way. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I know uh, what you mean. Yeah. I don't it's just, it, it's just interesting. Like, cause we've all known Barbie has caused problems for a long time, but it's just interesting that the company itself signed off on a movie that points all this shit out and actually points out. Yeah. Maybe we were wrong with that. And actually tries to like, I don't want to say fix it, but they at least acknowledge the problem and, uh, you know, sort of maybe like maybe we need to brand stuff differently and whatever. At the end of the day, it's all still branding and business and whatever. But the fact they actually uh, straight up pointed out in the movie was, was very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of point out the fact that while something can be fun for children and all that kind of stuff. You still have to keep in mind that those children grow into adults, which is, I don't know. It's like I said, it's, it's, it's interesting. All the tonal stuff that they go with. And, and the whole kins, the kins like being corrupted by the real world and turning yeah. into jackass. This is such a great <laughs> idea. They literally, the Barbies literally have to stop the kids from pulling a January 6th. Right. And yeah, I'm not even, literally, not even, yeah. not even making yeah, that up. That is literally the the main plot of the movie is they have to stop the Kins from overthrowing the government essentially. <laughs> when it comes to streaming, Doug, I would advise you to give it a watch. I think it's yep, you probably. would actually enjoy it a lot more than you think you would. It's not, I'm not even saying I wouldn't. Enjoy, I just I 
my interest is zero and I do not, I can't comprehend the interest in it. All right. But so, you know, as soon as, as soon as I saw the first trailer, I'm like, Oh, this is doing something different that I definitely want to see what that is. Well, and it I definitely could, uh, it's not the, the weird thing is, uh, you know, I saw people in there that had kids with them and stuff. And I was like, did you guys watch the trailers for this movie? Cause I right? don't know if you want your children in this room. Yeah. I saw. And I mean, I'm not are... saying it's I'm not saying it's inappropriate for like teenagers or whatever, but maybe small children. It's not appropriate. Uh, it's rated PG-13 and I feel like it's rated that for a reason. Like there are people with their daughters that were under five and I'm just like, ooh, yeah, I don't think you paid attention to what this movie is supposed to be about. A lot of people think I'm a lifeguard, but my profession is actually beach. <laughs> yeah so so that was the wind saw that mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it i think char enjoyed it too uh then i went and i got uh tickets to a sneak peek for tmnt the new one. Oh yeah oh see now i'm interested <laughs> uh and i so i've got i don't know so it's great let me say that out of the gate great I don't know what I went into it hoping for exactly because the problem is the Teenage Ninja Turtles are like not one thing anymore. There are a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I would love to see a hyper violent TMNT like the comic books are, but I'm probably never going to get that. But this one, they kind of use the same art style as, uh, into the Spider-Verse kind of uses. It's kind of that graffiti-style 3D stuff. They bring in a fuck ton of characters. Yeah. A fuck ton. Like, I, I, I remember seeing one or two in the trailer and being like, oh, cool, they're going to have cameos by these characters. And it's like, no, they're bringing in a fuck ton of characters from Ninja Turtles. Then <laughs> you're like, all right, then, let's, let's, let's fucking go. Uh, story's interesting. Like it, it's an interesting idea that I'm sure you've seen the interviews with Seth Rogen and stuff where he said, you know, he felt like the thing that had never been explored with Ninja Turtles was the fact that they are just teenagers instead of the ninja bit. Mm -hmm. And so the movie completely revolves around that. And the fact that Splinter is this adopted dad of, for kids who and they really leaned heavy into the fact that he's a rat. So the uh, the idea that Splinter kind of doesn't like people because people have always treated him like shit because he was a rat. <laughs> oh, so they're actually doing that. He was a rat and not the uh, he was a man that turned into a rat. Yeah, no, he was a rat. All right, I like and it. It's it's fast. And they do they do some pretty funny jokes in it where they make they call out the fact that so Splinter gets covered in ooze whenever he is an adult rat. So he grows into an adult rat man. But the turtles are baby turtles whenever they get exposed to the ooze. So they grow into baby turtle people. (laughs) And and he goes, which makes perfect sense if you think about it for more than two seconds. (laughs) Then he just moves on. Sure. Thank you, Seth. Yeah, it's this... Yeah, it's more focused on the fact that, you know, the turtles have this kind of overprotective dad who just wants them to stay safe. And they decide that they want to go out and do ninja shit. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in checking it out. I'm probably going to check it out this weekend at some point. 
Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko was a fucking great choice. Yeah, I figured he would be. The only the only thing that I was sad is they that Slash wasn't in, and I was like, oh man, Slash. Hoping Slash is the the snapping turtle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no Venus to Milo. Uh, no Venus to Milo, but man, it's a fuck ton. So I don't know. Do you guys want me to tell you who's in it? Because I feel like that's spoilery. Oh, I don't care. It's up to Doug. Uh, if Doug doesn't want to know. No, it's fine. I'm still debating on whether to see this alone or with yeah. my kids. So okay, like. so you got uh, Mondo Gecko. You've got uh, Leatherback, which is the Australian crocodile person. Uh, Wingnut, who was the bat that had all the cybernetic stuff. I have. I've had all these toys so far. Uh, oh God damn it! What's the frog's name? The frog that's basically just a giant head with little arms, and little legs. I can't remember what the fuck. Oh, I don't was. know. Don't remember that one. Uh, the frog, Bebop, Rocksteady. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bad guys kind of. It's it's interesting. So the bad guys a play on Baxter Stockman, but isn't, which is kind of complicated. Oh. They changed. They they slightly tweaked the origin of the turtles. In the movie, Crime. which is which is interesting. So the bad guy isn't Shredder, which is fast. I don't know. It's it was a, it was a good idea. It's, it gets spoiled. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. It's too spoilery to talk about. But yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, it's got it's got good themes to it because the themes are kind of about like uh, fitting in in the world and how parents kind of can imprint their bullshit onto their children and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, people are pointing out that Seth or Seth Green, Seth Rogen has kind of become the weird uh, indie comic like king almost because his company produced Preacher and this and uh, do they produce the boys too? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I would say that the big thing people gotta deal with going into it is think of it as like an Elseworlds turtle story because like yeah. i said they they tweaked things it's not it's not exactly the way it is in the cartoon and it's also not exactly the way it is in the comic books it's kind of a hodgepodge of different stuff and then a few things are just completely new like they took away the idea that splinter already knew ninja and ninjutsu as a rat okay. which they that was that's the way it was in of the comic books i don't know if you know that he was a pet rat and his master was a Kung Fu yeah. Master, so he watched yeah. it and learned to Kung Fu. Yeah, they do that in the original live action movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, n- I never liked that. I always preferred yeah. the, uh, the idea in, of he was a, a person who got turned into a rat. Yeah, I like it. Instead, in this, he's just, you know, he's a rat that gets made into a rat man. And then eventually, when the turtles were like toddler aged, they were getting more and more curious about the surface. So he took them to the surface and he was attacked by a crowd of people for being freaks. And so he took them back and decided that that was no good. So he, he learned ninjutsu through like mail order VHS stuff and taught his kids ninjutsu to protect themselves from the hordes of bastard humans on the surface. Feels right to me. Fun. Yeah, which 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 actually makes perfect sense. You're like, okay, no, you know what? That's perfectly justified. I get it. Yeah, the part where they're like, people are terrible. I'm like, yeah, I know that. That's correct. <laughs> that's a correct statement. But yeah, 
uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, it's, it's not for, I mean, it's clearly designed for younger audiences. It's not for adult adults, I don't think, but I still thought it was great. That's fine. Yeah, it's like, it's like an eight out of 10. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's solid. It's better than most of the turtle shit that gets cranked out. I'm still going to be the weird adult guy that shows up to it by himself. I, w- I went and saw it by myself at a sneak peek, so don't think I wasn't looking weird. <laughs> <laughs> he said it's not for adult adults, but none of us qualify as that. So That's true. It's, re- it's research. I do a podcast. I have an excuse. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, like I said, I, I don't have any complaints. I can't. I, I'm sure it's going to be a big smash hit and they're going to make sequels. It does seem like people are jazzed for it, which I was not expecting. Like it seems like oh, I really hurt. I haven't heard much about it, but now that we're like a couple days away from it properly releasing, I'm seeing people talk like post about it on Facebook and stuff. Well, it's because they it's fucking fun. You know what I mean? They like they just yeah. go they go whole hog with it, and they don't ignore. Like I said, they put fucking wing nut in this goddamn movie. Like I would never have expected them to put wing nut in anything. Can I ask you a question about all the characters that you're saying are in it? Are yeah. they expecting the audience to know who these characters are? Or are you they... would know who they were if you watched the '80s cartoon or if you read the comic books. Yeah, but are, is the audience expected to know that, or are they being introduced as new characters? Like, uh, I don't. I I think the whole thing is if you know who they are, you it gives you extra jazzed, but. No, they just kind of go, this is this person, this is this person, this is this person, this is this person. Go. Okay. That's it. Like, they they give you a rough explanation. Like, you know where all of the mutants came from and all that kind of stuff. And you very quickly find out kind of where all their stances are in the world. And then you just go. Yeah, I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I got that. I never get to see those fucking sneak peeks. Whenever I saw the result, I was like, "Ooh, I get to see it a week early! Yay!" <laughs> uh, and I think that's. I think that's it. I can't. I don't remember watching anything else. It's been two weeks, but yeah, you got to remember. Noah was like working eleven-hour days for some reason. Yeah, yeah, uh, I was like working all fucking day. What'd you watch, uh, Doug? And then I went. I would have went and oh. saw Oppenheimer, but I don't feel like blowing my brains out, so <laughs> not really interested in that shit. Well, I'll talk about it here in a minute. Did you see, Doug? Um, I have a few things here. Let's see. I finally I tracked down Wrath, Wrath of Becky, which you talked about a couple of weeks ago, Brian. Um, yeah, it's it was great. I mean, <laughs> it delivered exactly <laughs> what it promised. I like that it didn't. Uh, like as a sequel to Becky, they're like, look, we all know why you're here. Like you like the first <laughs> one, you're back for more. So there's like 10 minutes of setup, And then they're like, yep. And now we're into it. And look how awful these guys are. Since they're so awful, it's okay that we're going to kill them. Right. And then I'll, like, what is it? Like maybe 30 minutes in when the first guy's head just literally explodes on camera. You're like, yep. Something right. like that, yeah. We're, we're, we're where we need to be. And it's yep, yep. it's yeah, like yeah. let's uh let's completely set it up that uh becky's got nothing to lose and just start yep. off with people sure why it's, not yeah it's it, it, it was a lot of fun a lot of people keep saying oh well it's not as much fun as the first one but it's still fun that seems to be the standard review of it and i don't think that's ever fair especially in a movie like this because 
Like, how do you follow up a movie of a 12 year old girl killing people? Like you can't like at some point it's going to be slightly less fun because you know what you're getting into the second time. But I had like zero complaints. Uh, performances were all fine. There's silly little like, uh, like there's for people who haven't seen it. Like one of the things is that they steal her dog and it has this little John Wick reference to it. I liked it. When we talked about the first one, I remember talking about how some of the ending of it seemed very, uh, I spit on your grave. And I thought the introduction of it here was more like that with like the sort of guy showing up at her house to like attack her. It felt very, I spit on your grave. And the one guy like not really into it, not really understanding what it is. And his buddies are just making him do it. Yeah. Um, so I appreciated that. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but <laughs> I feel like it was. In my mind, it was intentional. Um, but yeah, like I don't, like, I don't know what else to really say, but I don't want to get into like every little kill or everything. There's a couple of moments where they set stuff up early in the movie, and then they pay it off later. And I think most of it is really fun to watch. Um, particularly the one with like at the beginning of the movie when she falls into her own trap, which I thought was funny in and of itself, and then. When the callback to that happens, I'm like, oh, that worked really well. And they have just enough dialogue in it to make it make sense. Um, yeah, all in all, very positive on it. I, I kind of hope they just keep doing this where they like is the, the, the weird thing. Like, I guess this is spoilery if you are thinking about the plot to this movie, but like the ending where they kind of have her join the CIA because so she can use her killing skills for like betterment of society and i'm like yeah that was a little ridiculous in my it's opinion. a bit ridiculous but it also like it's either that or the third one is like a different group of people attack the new house where she's living <laughs> just so <laughs> yeah, i mean in a world where like okay so maybe like the third movie is just going to be her killing like the cia agents because she found out that they sent her on a mission that was actually for evil or something i could be down for that i don't know yeah Watching people die on screen makes me happy, so doing it in a fun way like this. Is... <laughs> What'd you think of Sean William Scott? He's good. He's yeah, like that's he's. What I, too. I, I have a like a really controversial opinion about Sean William Scott, which is I think he's a good actor, and I like I think if he if he wanted to, he could have a very good career as like, like not as like maybe a Hollywood leading man, but as like the lead in like these indie dramas. He he can act when he wants to. And yeah, like he's known for his big over the top comedy stuff. But even if you watch movies like Goon, like that have emotional moments in them, he's solid in those. And this is the second time he's kind of taken on like a darker character like this. And he does it really well. I don't I think he I think he's really solid, not just in this, but overall. And I, I think if he ever decides he wants to, you know, not do comedies anymore and be more serious, that he's completely capable of it. So um, whether he's capable of getting hired for it, um, I don't know, but there's a difference between having the skill to do something and having the uh, skill to get hired to do something. Yeah. I just read recently, he only got paid $8,000 to do the first American Pie movie. Really? 8,000. Yeah. That feels like it's below like minimums. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, he went. He went back and sold churros at the LA Zoo after shooting American Pie. Why? Well, like, I know that like there's stories of people that were in that movie, like years later, still working as like waiters and stuff. And it's like, 
it feels like those movies, that series of films was big enough that if you were in like, you know, all like, what was there, four like mainstream ones, that if you made it to all four, that you probably shouldn't have had to go back to waiting tables. <laughs> Even if you're just like one of the supporting guests. No. But, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird industry for the, the whole Hollywood system because like it just doesn't sound right when you say he gets paid eight million for American Pie, does it? <laughs> but if somebody, if you're like, also if you're selling churros at the zoo and somebody offers you eight grand to go make a movie, you'd probably take it. So, yeah, yeah. Apparently, the only thing he had uh, filmed up to that point before uh, American Pie was Final Destination, but it hadn't come out yet. So okay, that hired, makes sense. He got hired on American Pie and then shot that. And then they both sort of came out the same year. He was able to get more work after that, but no. Because he's pretty good in Final Destination, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, again, he's just playing a, a goofball comedy role. But yeah. he's pretty good at it. Gets his head chopped off in that one, too, which is pretty good. <laughs> um, what else did I watch? Is that your next question? That is my next question. Okay. Um, oh, the next one is the one that I, I said I was going to reference Nightbreed. So I watched a movie called Neon Maniacs from 1986. Oh, I fucking love Neon Maniacs. It's good. I enjoyed it. Um, so for um, people who haven't seen this 1986 classic, it's a, uh, I don't know, like there's these monsters that live under the Golden Gate Bridge for some reason. And for, you know, reasons that I'm sure they said in the movie, but that I was not listening to, they come out and start killing people. And there's a connection to this one girl. So they keep going after her and it is, it really feels like this movie is somebody had read Clive Barker and went, no one's ever going to make movies out of this stuff. Like we can easily rip off like the Cenobites and the monsters from Nightbreed, and they're never going to put that in a movie. So it's fine. And I can imagine like a year later, they're all sitting there and it's like that meme where they're all pulling on their tie. Like, yeah, <laughs> Like, so people are going to notice what we did. Um, but the movie's like a lot of fun. You know, like it, it is just these monsters. There's, they're all very different. So they're all fun to watch running around. Um, there's I mean, there, there's a point where they figure out that um, spraying the monsters with water hurts them. So the night of the big dance at the high school, they just distribute water guns to all of the high school kids to fight off the monsters that they know are coming. Cause they're like, nobody will believe us if we say monsters are coming. But if we just give everybody water guns, they'll all take them and then they'll have them when the monsters get here. It's like damn right. They will. And I don't know there's a, there's a moment in this film where I, I just, I can picture the writer's room where they're like, I know it's 1986. So either the climax of this movie is going to happen at a battle of the bands or at a Halloween costume. We just can't decide which one. And someone went, why don't we, why don't we just do both? Why isn't the battle of the bands also a Halloween costume? <laughs> and like, okay. Yeah, that's it. Let's, so now all the teenagers are going to be in costumes when the monsters show up with water guns. No problem. I don't see how this could go wrong at all. It's, it's super fun to watch. Yeah. It's one I've missed. I've never seen it before. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever heard of it, to be honest. I'm doing this new thing where I, to avoid spending hours flipping through things, I go to Tubi and I go to the horror section and I just flip, 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 flip and stop and watch whatever I'm on. And so that's how I watched this one. 
which is like really motivating me to do it like every day now. Yeah. So you're, you're a big fan, you know, I knew you'd like it. I didn't know. If oh, yeah. It. No, no, it's fucking great. Yeah. Like, it's so much fun. Like, am I missing anything in my detailed plot description that needs to be brought up? No, I mean, it's a movie that is clearly a person who is like, I've got all these special effects ideas for these random slasher characters and I'll never get to make all these movies. So why don't I just put them all in this one movie? Yeah. What if I what if I can only make one movie? I better put all my ideas in it. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a blast. And like there's there's just so many scenes of like people are trapped in the car surrounded by monsters and all this stuff and you're like yep just keep attacking that car like you would in every other movie but it's so fun to watch it's a lot of i guess is execution and just the overall 80sness of it but yeah and i like i don't even remember why the monsters started coming out from underneath the bridge that they lived under <laughs> i mean the only reason they live under that bridge it's, is it does, it doesn't filming matter. near it no it's it's not the point of a movie like this. So why is there an ambulance involved? Because they had access to an ambulance. Yeah. It it really feels like the reason that the monsters live under the Golden Gate Bridge is because it's probably public land and you can just go down there and film if you want. That's 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 my theory on it. Like you know what I mean? Like why is this movie set in San Francisco at all? Well, that's probably just where they lived. So Yeah, I'll have to put it on my list to check out at some point. Yeah, I'd 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 recommend it. It's Real fun. So I, 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 I thought I'd put it on the list for this show at some point, or I would have put it on there. Yeah. It can go on as long as we give it a little while, because I want to forget about these monsters before I watch it again. Um, I don't know. There's not much left to say about it, though. Maybe we'll discuss it in more detail one day. Um, and on like, just like keeping on that train of like low budget '80s trash. I also watched uh, a Quentin Tarantino movie because, like, you know, you want the exact opposite. You want to go like, okay, what's the most pretentious Hollywood thing I could possibly watch? So I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that I hadn't seen yet. And apparently this is a controversial opinion I'm about to say, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I have stayed away from it because I heard that it's very slow paced and long. And I actually went into it with the intention of watching it over two nights, but I liked it enough that I ended up watching it all at once. I found the characters really intriguing. I there there isn't much plot, but I, I liked the way the story was told. I liked the uh, the way Tarantino will do the thing where they like they make reference to an incident, and then the guy just kind of like looks up, and you almost get that like you know previously on, and it just shows you the incident that they're referring to. Um, I really like. Caprio's performance as this like aging Hollywood star who's like struggling with the fact that his career is kind of going away on him and the fact that like he's he's being offered a chance to go to Italy and make movies and he's really upset about it which I thought was really funny um you know but he's really hard on himself because he feels like it's partly his fault for his acting going downhill but he's also blaming the system that is just not allowing him to stay a star enjoyed that all I liked the portrayal of the Manson family, um, even though it's not, I don't think it's particularly realistic per se, but I, you know, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Grind counter opinions. Um, I thought this movie was boring as fuck. Did not even remotely enjoy it. Really? I feel like the entire Dude. thing was, was just Tarantino filming shit that he could jerk off to later. Cause there's so many close-ups of fucking feet and dirty feet. Nonetheless, in this movie, and then I guess he I talked. Wasn't watching for the feet. 
I'm surprised. It's hard to miss him. Girl right in the car with Brad Pitt's got him pressed right up against the windshield she the does, entire time. She does, she does do that. Margot Robbie that partic- put, puts him up on the seat in the movie theater while she's watching her movie. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that's just, there's so much more. It's so gross. See, and, now, uh, now I'm wondering if that's Tarantino doing that on purpose because he's so arrogant that he would actually take like, you know, whatever the budget on this movie is and be like, people think I show too many feet in my movie. I'm going to show a bunch of extra feet for no reason. Ugh. His pretentiousness is extreme. Let's just say that. Um, and then uh, in interviews, I heard him just talking about how, oh, I made up a, a filmography for Leonardo DiCaprio's character. I figured out all the shows he would have guest starred in at that time. So he just had a giant wank fest over making a fake filmography for the movie. I did not find the movie, all, like the story, all that intriguing. I was really bored by it throughout the most part. Um, I, can see, I can see the argument of like the story not being intriguing because the only real, the only interesting story is the Brad Pitt character's story of like this guy who kind of like stumbles across the Manson family while just going through his day to day life um, and is like intrigued by them but then realizes like because he ends up i liked the part where he kind of knew the guy that ran that ranch that i lived on and he's like i kind of want to make sure it's okay with him that you're all here (laughs) he like goes in and finds the guys like not all there anymore and they're basically you know manipulating him to be allowed to stay on his ranch which i'm sure is accurate i'm sure that he wasn't just a rational, logical decision to let murderers sleep at your ranch. Yeah. Then, uh, of course, since it has some historical act, ac- like part, he has to change it because that's yeah. apparently what he does now in movies that have historical stuff in it. Yeah. Which I just rolled my eyes at extremely. Well, that's his and, whole thing about he's how he claims he's built like a whole different universe based on. Yeah. Yeah, bas- like basically it was the real world up until the incident where Hitler was killed. Mm-hmm. Forever. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Just the rest of it completely turned me off. Yeah. But honestly, I don't think I've enjoyed a Tarantino movie since Inglorious Bastards. So, What has he made since Inglorious Bastards? Uh, Hateful Eight. Really was not a fan of that. Um, Django Unchained I did enjoy for the most part. Um, but I feel like it's nowhere near. I did not enjoy it nowhere near as Inglorious Bastards. See, I go back. I, I think even Inglorious Bastards is a missed opportunity. I love certain in, in all of Tarantino's films, up up to and including Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love there's certain elements of it, certain performances I love. Um, I find I would I would probably like to watch a movie where you just tell the story like inglorious bastards. I still want to just follow the inglorious bastards on their journey. He wrote that story. And then if you want to make a whole movie about the, uh, about the, the German like guy, you make that movie as well. Like it doesn't all have to be in one movie and therefore skip out on large parts. No. Um, but that's not what he does. So I don't know, like everything you're saying about it being boring and that I kind of get where you're coming from in that, like, the Leonardo DiCaprio character, who is, I guess, the main character of the movie, if you wanted to look at him that way, his whole like plot is largely irrelevant. He's there to serve the plot of the Brad Pitt character, who is like his assistant. 
you know? Yeah. And it's, um, it's, but, but I liked so much of what he was doing. There's scenes where he's interacting with that little girl. And I'm like, I really like watching him interact with this little girl. And like, you see them like, like speaking as characters, but then you also see them acting together as the characters on the show within the movie. And I liked the, how different they were being in the two moments. I don't know. Like I say, it just, it just, it just took me. A lot of that stuff was just, I liked watching the individual moments more so than following a traditional plot line. I think knowing that it's a Tarantino movie, I don't expect there to be a plot line. So. Yeah. No. Just did not enjoy it. Yeah. Fair enough. People have pointed out that like licorice pizza is sort of like the alternative once upon a time in Hollywood, sort of like I the, the, seen that the flip side where it's, you know, less about the, actual Hollywood part and it's more just these two kids like that sort of live in Hollywood but have their own experiences outside of um you know everything being about movies or whatever and they run into like stuff like you know the John Peters is a character in it yeah and stuff like that and they have their moments, but it's not like centered around like, look, Hollywood, old Hollywood. It's kind of like, yeah, it, better. and I guess that is part of what I liked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was that it was like, hey, look at old Hollywood with these old actors and this old way of doing things and, you know, all that stuff. And like the sort of like there's the odd moment where the uh, the one director is sitting down with the DiCaprio character and he's like, telling him like okay for this next like shot we're gonna put you in this big mustache and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and he's like how are they gonna know it's me and he's like why would i want them to know it's you i'm hiring you to be an actor and it's like a shocking thing to say that you know we're expecting you to act even though it, your title is actor which I, I enjoyed that little moment again a lot of that stuff where i'm just like i appreciated those little moments enough that it all worked together but again i guess just people have different opinions on movies um what the one I know, I know we're on the internet. We're not supposed to say that, but Oh, trust me. I know I'm in the minority. People fucking love that movie. And I'm just like, really don't understand why I like, I stayed away with it because of how long and slow it was. And then I'm like, for some reason I was like looking at like Oppenheimer and a bunch of other stuff. And I'm like, Oh, like every movie is way too long and slow now. Oh. So I guess like that movie has, was just before it's time. And I'll watch that. <laughs> like, everything is too just long. These, yeah. Like every movie, like that's, that's been my complaint about superhero movies for the last little while, about like literally everything. I'm like, why does everything have to be two and a half, three hours? What, whatever happened to the 90 minute movie? I don't understand. But the, the one thing with once upon a time in Hollywood is the Bruce Lee scene is like I remember hearing people complain about it and never developing an opinion because I hadn't seen it. It's I can understand why Bruce Lee's family would not be happy with that portrayal of him. It, I don't know much about the guy, but it goes hard against the image that most people have of him. And it's pretty disrespectful. And I don't I understand why people would be annoyed by it. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, like that one. That was it was pretty rough. Um, and after that, while you guys were watching Barbie, I went to see a horror film in theaters called uh, "Talk to Me." You guys heard about this one? Oh, uh, yep. I've not seen it yet, so, though. Yeah. So the idea is 
teenagers in Australia have a hand, which is like, they don't really know where it came from. The explanation might be that it was the hand of like a, a medium that could interact with the dead that was somehow severed and has been maintained. And when they talk to it, when they hold it and say, talk to me, they can see ghostly spirits and they can allow the spirits to inhabit them. And as long as they do it for like less than 90 seconds or whatever, it's just like a rush. But if the spirit will try to stay in you, if you allow it to stay, be there longer than the 90 seconds. And and you guys are going to be shocked to hear this part, but it manages to stay attached to somebody for more than 90 seconds. Whoa. I think it's fucked up. I mean, you guys didn't see that coming and I apologize for spoiling that major plot twist. (laughs) That is... (laughs) I mean, there's no way you could predict that happening until the time where the guy says you have to let go of it for the 90 seconds. Or so. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the movie. I think the atmosphere worked. I think all the characters were fun enough. The uh, they were, I think, because they're like Australian, I'd found them less annoying than if they were like North American teenagers. This is just just a little bit different from what I was being annoyed by in the theater while I watched this. Um, I think. The atmosphere worked. The, the uh, spirits were gross enough that I enjoyed looking at them. The scenes where they had taken over people's body were super fun to watch, especially when they were able to keep control of the one kid and cause him to start hurting himself and others. Um, well, soon he was hurting himself. I really enjoyed those scenes of him like bashing his own head off things, uh, which is something I probably shouldn't say out loud. But. <laughs> <laughs> You've already said you uh, like seeing people get killed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, at this point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, the complaint that I've heard about it from a few different people, specifically Eric, who listens to the podcast, brought this up, is like, the story kind of ends with a lot of open-ended questions. And we're like, like, is it exactly what was going on during the movie isn't necessarily knowable? And where the characters end up after the movie's over isn't knowable, which I think are perfectly valid complaints. I honestly think I really benefited. For, I was like exhausted when I watched this movie, and I think that really helped. I think I just didn't. I just wasn't thinking hard. I was just enjoying <laughs> it for what it was. And like when I started reading reviews and like talking to people about it, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, you guys are right. Like this, there's kind of a neat twist ending. That happens which is really fun but then people are like yeah but then what happens and you're like oh i don't i don't know i didn't even really think about it i just like i got up and left the theater i went home like i was just like uh, i was I, and i think that just has to do with the fact that i like couldn't sleep the night before and i got up at like 4 30 in the morning so by the time i went to the movies that night i was exhausted <laughs> and therefore enjoy the, the movie really benefited from that um, so i don't know if you guys ever get around to watching it'll be curious to see what you think if you have those complaints <laughs> If we should uh, sleep deprive ourselves beforehand, yeah, watch it twice. Once sleep deprived, and once not. See, <laughs> see which way you enjoy it more. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, one of the things I've been saying lately, I said this about the Boogeyman and a bunch of other stuff, is like I'm just, I just want horror movies, man. I don't want like it's fine that elevated horror exists and that there's messaging in your movies and that things do that all these different things are happening in in the world but just give me like 90 minutes of like decent atmosphere 
maybe some characters get killed, a little bit of blood on screen, some monsters or whatever. And like once in a while, that's just what I want. And I'm glad they're doing that again. It seems like the last little while that these are coming along and I'm, I'm really happy to just go watch them. So maybe if this had come out like at the same time as 20 other ones that were just like it, I probably wouldn't feel that way. I'd get more nitpicky, but I don't want to be nitpicky. I just want to enjoy the movies. And I think we're almost done things that I watched. Oh, except for another random to be pick, which okay. is because uh, it worked well the first time. So I'm like, all right, the next one is called uh, Mutant. It's from 1984. Wings Hauser? I don't know. Or curly hair dude? I don't think anybody really had that curly of a hair, but I'll tell you the plot and maybe you can tell me what <laughs> you uh, It's the same movie. So this one is uh, like two brothers are driving. They go to like a small town. They get stuck there because of rednecks running them off the road for having the nerve to be city folks in a small town. And uh, start to basically figure out something's really wrong. And it turns out what's really wrong is that the townsfolk are being turned into like the plot description says vampires, but they're much more like zombies. Um, and they and they're being attacked and chased for the remainder of the film. And, you know, the zombie powers are real inconsistent. Um, they don't look great. Um, none of the acting is particularly good. The first like half of the movie where they're doing like the investigation to figure out what's going on is kind of boring. So obviously I enjoyed this. Um, it's just <laughs> just cheesy 80s trash. When the like the zombie vampire things start coming out, they're just like, like their faces are just painted blue, and I'm just like, I, that's just because these people saw Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> and I, for some reason that made me happy. I don't know why, but it's uh, I think I was just in the mood to like shit this week, I guess. Um, but yeah, there, there's a weird scene in this movie where like people are trapped in the car once again, and they're being attacked by a surrounding horde of zombie vampire things, and one of them like pulls its like claws out and let's it can like melt through the glass and it uses that to like push its hand into the car and i'm sitting there thinking oh, man i bet you if that one can do it they can all do it and therefore they should already just be inside that car by now <laughs> like it's it doesn't seem like it's hard for them to get in at all if they have that superpower i wonder why only that one can do it but it's not the kind of movie where you're expected to ask those questions no um yeah, I've and seen it before. All right. Yeah, it's 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 real. Like it's again, it's the kind of thing where if you like, I was online shoe shopping while I watched this movie, and it's like it's the perfect background movie. While well, I'm like online shoe shopping, instead of you know like actually paying attention, I think if you sat and tried to watch it seriously and have to like to be able to have a discussion about it, you probably have a lot of complaints. But I I. I it was pretty clear from the beginning that this movie was not designed to be good. So why should I hold it to that standard? Uh, I did have a lot of like to like where like the lead character who was like not a tough guy at all could fight off like a hundred of these things when it was convenient for him to be able to. And yet sometimes one of them was a real threat. You're like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's totally fine though. Yeah. I remember thinking it was all right. I don't remember much about it though. Yeah. And I, like, I'm, Confident that if you ask me about this movie next week, I'll be like, I think they were blue. I think that's what the, movie was about, <laughs> that the bad guys were turned blue somehow. And I doubt that there was an in-film explanation as to why they were blue. But whatever. I, I am on like a long-term mission to watch every horror movie that came out in the 80s. And this is one of them. So now I never have to watch this one again if I don't want to. I can just take it off my list. 
I think that's a rough road. It's, it's a long road. I start. I have like a list somewhere of like that's supposedly every horror movie that came out in the eighties, except I've seen movies that aren't on the list, so I know it's not a complete list. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, as I was going through it, I started like searching some of the titles to see if they were available on streaming, so that I could add them to our list. And multiple of them, like I'm like, oh, like if I wanted to send that link to the guys, like they're gonna have to prove their age before they're allowed to log into that website to watch this movie. Like, is that the kind of thing we want to watching? <laughs> but why is it on that website? That makes sense for a horror movie, but so I bookmarked them and I'm just still decided whether they're not on the list or not. Interesting. But you'll know that if, if we have a week dedicated to films with entrails in the title, then you'll know that you might have to watch it on a questionable website. All right. But the yeah, that's everything I watched over the last couple of weeks. Well, I did the whole Barbenheimer thing and went and saw Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh really liked it. But Jesus Christ, three hours. Oof. Like I'm usually three fine hours with, is a lot. Usually fine with three hour movies, but again. Ass was starting to hurt. Of, I'm like, I gotta three get three hours out. of drama too. And yeah. Like it's and I'm assuming not the happiest of dramas. That's just my assumption, <laughs> based on my knowledge of the true story. Yeah, wasn't super happy. Um, they are able to Christopher Nolan's able to weirdly make stuff um, tense, even though you already know what really happened. Like we know the bomb worked, but. They're going to test it for the first time. You're just kind of sitting there like, oh, man, what's going to happen? Oh, I know what's going to happen. Duh. But they just made the the scenes really tense and really interesting. And I feel like the movies works really well. And, you know, they just have those interesting moments because from Oppenheimer's perspective, it's like they're just trying to prove science that they can do it. And then, you know, when they do it and the test works successfully and everybody's cheering and like yeah we did it and then you know after a while they just cut to a scene the next day where he's sitting stoically and it's like oh shit we did it that means that means like you know pretty much invented a way for people to murder each other yeah well like like i know the the, i kind of know the true story not an expert or anything, but then there's a lot of two like maybe should we be doing this? And it's like, but if we don't do it, the Nazis might do it. And if yeah. only one person, like if only one side is going to have access to this technology, I'd rather it be us. Like if those are the two choices. Yeah, they like, do. Oh, yeah. They do push that throughout the movie that, you know, the Nazis are working on it. So there's a possibility they're going to, they're going to get it. And then if they get it, what are the Nazis going to do with a bomb like that? It's bad for everybody and stuff. So they do that. And then there's, they do tackle sort of the moral quandaries of everything. Um, uh, Because I was a little worried they might go a little soft on the reasons why they ended up dropping the bomb in the first place. And they do get into that. Yeah. Because, because they do. Because I mean, it gets, it, it gets to the point where Hitler has killed himself. Germany's out of the war. And then they're talking about like 
look, we can beat the Japanese. Like, there's really no need for us to drop this bomb. But then it just comes down to, yeah, but we have this bomb and we want to use it sort of mentality. Yeah. And so they do tackle it a little bit. I mean, they don't go super deep into it, but they do bring well, up the moral, the moral quandaries that all the scientists who are working on it are like, well, do we still keep making it? Because really, we don't need it. We were making it to drop it on Germany. Germany's done. We don't need to make it anymore. Yeah. And of course, the military people are like, no, no, you're going to keep making the bomb. Like, that's not even a question. You're going to finish it. So don't even pretend like you're you're done because you're not. It's such like an interesting discussion because it's like, so you start with the whole idea of we want to get it so that the bad guys don't get it. But how do you have that kind of a bomb and not inherently be the bad guys? Like, right. Yeah. And then so, they, they talk about the idea of mutual well, assured I, destruction and like all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, peace, peace through mutual annihilation and stuff. Yeah, it's it's idiotic. Well, there's there's also the idea of we we talk about dropping the bombs on Japan like it was this great success story, and it's one of the largest acts of terrorism in history because that's all it was. We killed shit tons of civilians to intimidate a government into doing what we wanted to do. Like well, it's just straight terrorism. Like it, it's the it's, definition of what terrorism is. It's also what you're saying is also like that's kind of the best case scenario. Is that it was happening? Like there's there's also arguments to be made that it wasn't really about Japan at all. That it was posturing for a post-war world and setting themselves up to be super powerful after the wars were over because they knew that they were going to defeat Japan at that point with or without the bombs. And that the whole thing about, well, we're saving lives by dropping the bombs instead of storming the beaches is marketing more than anything else. That's that's part of the problem is that nobody can will ever really know what happened in behind closed doors when the decisions were being made. But the, the, the discussions are out there. Yeah, but the movie's really good. And then the um, sort of them testing the bomb, there's still like an hour left after this. And uh, they go into how Oppenheimer was kind of... Uh, raked over the coals afterwards like years decades later yeah um and stuff and all that stuff is really interesting and it was really good and uh out of everybody in the movie i thought robert downey jr was fantastic and i've seen people complaining about his performance but i thought it was great i don't know what everybody's talking about but he just uh, he, he just has this like he has this role because he's like a Starts off as like a, was it a congressman or whatever? And it changes throughout as history goes on or whatever. But he has this role. And like, if you watch the movie, you're kind of like, all right. I mean, he's fine. I don't know. Like you said, he was really good. Like he's fine, I guess. I don't know. But then there's a shift when the story requires it. His character shifts. He has this giant monologue and you're just like, oh, Oh no. And his performance during that is like fantastic. So I really enjoyed it. It's super long. So plan accordingly. Yeah. yeah like I, I, I think I've made the decision to just wait and watch that one at home. Yeah. Not a good choice like where I, where I can maybe spread it out, at least take breaks. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. 
Like I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's good because I like I trust that Christopher Nolan can tell a good story, and you know, I don't I don't see why it wouldn't be a good movie. But <laughs> three hours. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I Barbenheimer was a complete success for me. I enjoyed both movies. So such a weird like weekend of release to have both those coming out <laughs> you know like somebody on facebook but this is guy vaughn that i'm friends with and he gave me a bunch of shit he's like oh you fell for that whole ploy and i'm like you know what fuck you i just i want to go have fun at the movies this was a weird fun like movement that happened just enjoy it and don't complain about it yeah that's the other thing is like just i, I just like going to movies like yeah. Just because I didn't see either of those movies, I did still go to the movies this week. Yeah, and you know what? I got to say, the fucking Barbenheimer thing fucking worked. Because I went to a 2.30 screening of Oppenheimer in IMAX at my theater and on a Saturday. And the place was completely packed. Like, I had to pick some weird seat next to somebody. There was no, like, two open seats or anything. Like, I had to really pick and choose where I was going to sit to be able to look, you know, see the screen the best because there was barely any seats open. Um, so usually I go to, I, I usually I go to IMAX to weed people out because I know normies aren't going to spend the extra money to go and be obnoxious in, in the IMAX screening. I guess the, the, the topic of discussion is worth like, do we think movies are like back? Like, have we come back from the whole, like, time where people weren't going to theaters because they were watching at home and then COVID happened and you know like but it seems like movies are doing well again like if they're decent movies and I know like when I went to see like a horror movie that I've never even seen a trailer for this weekend that my theater was mostly full at a five o'clock showing like that's are people just going again and that's good. Like, that's good if they are. I don't know. Specifically around me, I feel like it has to be an event for people to go. And I feel like the Barbenheimer thing worked on people. Um, okay. Barbie was kind of busy when, when we went, but I went to a different theater further away than I usually do. So I don't know how that usually goes. But I guess it's really not about our opinions. It's more a numbers game. We could look up and find out whether movies have been. Um, well attended again but but the other movie i went and saw was uh, mission impossible and oh, okay. it, it wasn't nearly as full as i thought it would be and i did read that that opened kind of soft softer than everybody thought it was going to well i i see <laughs> I, I haven't seen most of the mission impossible movies and i'm not a tom cruise guy so my, my perspective on it is skewed but it seems ballsy for them to put out of this movie announcing it's part one of two and you're like you're not that big of a franchise in my mind where you can get away with that <laughs> i actually think it's a good idea they did once you see the movie um so in this one tom cruise is fighting a rogue ai that has become sentient pretty much because that's where we're at in mission impossible movies um but like the story doesn't wrap up in this one the movie itself feels like a complete movie, but there, if they didn't put part one, there's like a giant plot hole that everybody would be like, but they didn't resolve this thing. But since they know, oh, there's like another one that's going to resolve that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of okay. But because I, it, I guess the, my, my point is more like 
where the fuck do you get off making a movie that's part one of two? Don't do that. Like <laughs> everyone should stop doing that. Yeah, he's like everybody should. Yeah, unless <laughs> unless both movies are coming out the same week. I'll, I'll even give you like they can come out up to a month apart. But if you're gonna if you're gonna release your movies like a year apart, then don't do that. What about like Infinity can, War and Endgame? They came out like a year apart. Yeah, those are. Listen, this you, you always got to do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you get an exception when it's like part thirty-one and part thirty-two. At that point, everyone should be should be understanding that these things are connected. All right. Well, this is part seven, and the next one's gonna be part eight. I will also grant you that you, Infinity War could have been an ending. I mean, if okay. in, Infinity War is a, is its own self-contained story. And it ends, and it's not a very happy ending. Yeah. But then Endgame is a sequel to that. It's not a, it's really not all one story. It's a second story that takes place a full five years later. Well, I would argue that's a good example. Like, this Mission Impossible movie was a good, like, has a good ending, did not end on like a cliffhanger, but has still left it open where you know the problem that they have to face in the next one. I mean, obviously, I haven't seen the movie. I can't comment on it, but. Yeah, it's just it's a frustrating trend I find when movies yeah. are. I have to pay for two tickets to get one story. Well, this this one was almost three hours as well. So, no, it's another frustrating trend. A lot of frustrating yep. trends involved in this movie. Yeah, I think we can blame Netflix for this, but I've been here and. I even heard before this started happening in movie theaters that Netflix has caused a problem because since there's no time constraints, there's no, there's no turnover like for movie theaters where they try to like cram as many screenings as they can in a day. So they make more money or we're having like TV, like time limitations and stuff that Netflix started just letting people be like, yeah, tell whatever story you want. If it takes Three and a half hours, it takes three and a half hours. And that is now sort of rolling over into theatrical movies where everybody's just, nobody's sort of like, hey, we got to keep this at a nice slim, like, hour 45, maybe two hours. Like, they're just letting them kind of do whatever because. Yeah, Um, my point is more for the filmmakers who are taking that long to tell your story. It's like. Sure. I, I don't. Most of these stories don't require that long. Yeah. And, you know, again, like you can call out Endgame being a three hour movie and go, yeah, but look at what they did. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like a lot of these movies, I'm just like, just if you if it needs if it needs to be six hours long to tell the story, then make it into a miniseries or something and not a movie. Sure. I think we're in agreement. Uh, I'm tired of my ass being sore at the end of a movie. Just want to enjoy myself. Um, oh, Sydney came over this weekend, and we were doing a uh, a let's watch, let's let's uh, share TV shows that we enjoy that the other person hasn't seen. And I picked a nice, like, contained story, so uh, I ended up rewatching Spaced again. Okay. Uh, and I just, goddamn, I love that show so much. That's the correct response to watching Space again. Right. 
Like, I think I still think, and I've thought this for a while, even rewatching it, I still think my favorite part of the entire series is when she's at the train station and he pulls up on the, the fucking robot and he just, he doesn't even look at her. He just goes, all right. And she's like, all right. And then just gets up and then they just walk away. Like, I just love that. And like, we've followed these characters through 14 episodes now. And we know that that makes perfect sense for their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that show so much. I don't think she enjoyed it as much as I did, but, uh, and then for her side, we started watching supernatural. So I'm going to be watching that for the next, (laughs) for the next 20 goddamn years. So it's a show I've always thought I would probably be into, but I'm just like, that's a big commitment because we were still making 22 episode seasons at that point. I've, I've never fucking made it through it. I've tried a couple different times and I'm like, fuck, there's just too much. Right. Uh, yeah, I I started it once, and I I don't really have anything negative to say about the show. But then, yeah. like, I was watching it with my ex, and she was like, "No, I don't want to watch it anymore." I'm like, "Well, then I'm just not gonna either." Like, <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> like there's just and then when, when, again, it's nothing about the show. It's just there's so much of it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's. I think I'm only gonna watch it when she's here. So that we can watch it together because we're only like four episodes in and I'm like, oh, only like 315 episodes left. You let me know how you enjoy that finale 2047. Right. Uh, the episodes I've seen, I've really enjoyed. I mean, I knew like, oh, yeah, this is probably going to be up my alley. And then yeah. uh, we started it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it definitely is. Like, I'm, this is not a surprise to me. But man, 15 seasons. That is a big Are they all 22 episodes. I think two of the seasons are maybe 16 episodes. Okay. So but, no problem. Then. Yeah, right. It's like, yeah, I can power through that. No problem. Um, yeah, man. I just, I'm trying to even wrap my head around how this show could last five seasons. Cause even, yeah, specifically at, you know, 22 episodes a season. Like that's a lot of story to cover. That's, you know, I- I'm assuming somewhere down the line that it'll start like it started what I've seen of it was sort of monster of the week type stuff. And I'm yeah. assuming that it has to get into longer storylines just because how many ideas can you have for 22 <laughs> fresh ideas? I see. I know like at one point they're crossing over with Scooby-Doo, so they went pretty far with it, but yeah, still. Um, I did tell Cindy that it has one of my favorite 80s tropes, though, that we've talked about on this show before. Which is that it, town town. it just becomes a let's go town to town and help people that need the need our specific brand of help. Yep. Like I do enjoy that. Shit, I was wrong. Most of these seasons are twenty three episodes. Good oh, lord. Jesus. Now you'll never get through it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, why did we make so many filler episodes for stuff? <laughs> like this is insane. Oh, this season only has twenty episodes. And yeah, the last one has twenty episodes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So yeah. Three podcasts from now when we when we get bored of doing this and I'll move on to different podcasts, we'll have to reconvene so I can tell everybody how supernatural was. Like in our eighties. <laughs> Still fighting with Skype because you know. Uh the last thing I watched, which is something I watched it right before we started recording, uh something Doug will really enjoy. Ooh, I like that. 
on Shutter, they just released a documentary called Shark Exploitation. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean it's good. Um, they cover uh, sort of uh, movies like pre Jaws. So I mean they, they talk to Roger Corman. Roger Corman's in it, and he's like, "Yeah, we made we made like ocean movies." I mean, you know. It was always like some super low budget, like, you know, giant leeches or, you know, creature from the black lagoons, definitely one of them. Like, so we've been making those movies for a while. It's just, <laughs> he points out suddenly Hollywood decided, oh, we can do that better. And so they put more money into it and made better, better ocean movies than we did, specifically pointing out Jaws. Yeah, well, he's like, and he's like, "Oh no, they did it. They're, they're doing them better." And then they had to pivot to do something, so they kind of cover that stuff. Then they cover Jaws and just sort of the craziness around that. They do point out the sad fact that people, you know, started murdering sharks at an accelerated rate because of Jaws. Yeah, uh, which is a bummer. But um, then they go into like Jaws ripoffs, so everything that came out around. Uh, that point that was just trying to ride the coattails of Jaws. That stuff's fun. They even uh, go out of the water and start talking about other other movies that are just, they're literally, it's just Jaws, but somewhere else. So, like, they talk about Grizzly, and they're like, yeah, it's just, it's Jaws in the woods. Like, that's all, that's all that movie is. Yeah. None of them are as good as Jaws, though. Yeah, of course. Um, they talk to uh, Joe Dante, who talks about Piranha, and he's like, oh, yeah, totally. We knew what we were doing. If you watch that movie, she's playing a Jaws uh, arcade game at the very beginning. We were just letting we were letting the audience know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know we're purposely ripping off Jaws. It's fine. Just have fun. Um, and they sort of talk about how it sort of dwindled off for a while, like specifically like in the '90s and stuff. And then uh, how Deep Blue Sea was kind of the movie that brought shark movies back. Then of course there's the glut of like Sharknado and. Yeah, well, once they figured out that you could CGI sharks. Yeah, so they talk about that glut. They do the whole, you know, basically, yeah, we make these movies for the sci-fi channel sort of thing. They talk to people from the asylum, those bastards. Yeah. Uh, and then they get back to how big studios are kind of getting back into it with, like, uh, um, uh, The Shallows and 47 Meters Down and... Uh, the Meg was the big one that they brought up. How you know the studio invested a shit ton of money in that movie? Just still weird. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, they just talk about um, basically how Jaws started everything and everything exploded from there. Yeah. Yeah, I've been curious about that. I didn't realize it was even out yet. Yeah. So. With a watch again, maybe it's maybe a little too long. It's like an hour and forty-five minutes. Could maybe cut cut about fifteen minutes out of that. You'd be all right. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Noah, what are we doing next week? Uh, we are going to be doing Mother's Day and Schoolgirls in Chains, two movies that I know nothing about. They both involve girls getting locked up in the basement. That's the theme. Yeah. Yeah, they sound they sound terrible, and my wife's gonna be out of town this weekend, so I can watch movies without uh, disturbing her. Uh, that's the is that that's the original Mother's Day we're doing. Uh, Nineteen eighty, I think. Is yeah, that the, original. And the, was it Lloyd Kaufman's brother made it? I think. 
Is that true? I don't know. I think so. I think it's distributed through trauma. Um, and then was it Darren Lynn Bowsman did a remake of it a couple years ago? Yeah, I, I'm assuming the remake is terrible. Probably. I'm only 50-50 on the fact that the original is going to be terrible. So. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those that I've heard a lot about and have never actually watched it. So it'll be good. I can cross it off my list. Yay. Try to contain your excitement. So you can be home by yourself all weekend, Noah? Yeah, basically just Saturday and Sunday, but yeah. yeah. What do you think the term weekend means? Well, like she'll be home Saturday after or Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Name. Yeah, hopefully she'll be stuck in traffic and get the evening to yourself. I kind of wish I could go with her, but I got to watch the animals. Her, her, uh, her mom's got a new batch of uh, stray kittens that she's taking care of. So I was like, oh, man, I want to go pet all the little kittens. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, I don't need any more cats. I still got three cats of my own. Pain in my ass. You guys you guys got three cats? Am I remembering yeah, correctly? Three cats. Yeah. Yeah. Doug's got a kid, which is essentially like having a cat. Yeah, it's, it's like having two cats. Except oh, yeah. cats don't just randomly have their friends over and turn your whole basement into a fort and not tell you about it till you come downstairs to start a podcast. But you know, <laughs> how's your uh, summer vacation going, Doug? It's pretty good. I like not having to go to work. Part of it, I really enjoy that. Yeah. So right. yeah, I don't know when the I don't know what the release schedule is like, but we're like coming up on the halfway point of it right now. So I might be depressed next time we talk. Where I'm like. I've just crossed over into the second half. (laughs) That's how I was in school because my birthday is July 15th. So I always knew that like my birthday was like the halfway point of summer. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, fuck. Closer going back to school than I am getting out of school. It sucks. It's like turning like any decade when you hit that. Like you turn 36 or whatever, you realize you're closer to 40. It's the same idea. It's just yeah. the kid version of it. And I experienced the kid version of it still because I take my summers off. So, <laughs> Jerk. It's me and Noah sit over here seething with rage. Yeah. So much seething. <laughs> it's still like one of the best parts of it is getting to tell people. I like just running into people and they're like, how are things going? And I'm like, pretty good. At the last like three weeks, I've got a bunch more coming up. And they're like, you son of a bitch. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.